But we're wrapping up a series today called My Church, and it's been so good because really what it's been about is speaking about the values of not only our church, but values that, that we as individuals could have in our lives. That if we took these values and applied them in our church and in our businesses, we would be better people. You, you might remember the first week we spoke about this, that we're a church that loves life. And, and, and to be around people that love life is, is fun. It's better to be around people who have a joy inside of them. Not, not just necessarily a happiness, but a joy that's rooted deep down inside of them. The second week we spoke about a church that empowers people. That we believe in the priesthood of all believers. That there is not one person's vision running this church, but a multitude of us who believe together what God has called us to do. And so we want to raise up leaders inside this church. We want to have a church that raises up leaders who raise up leaders who raise up leaders. And if we can operate like that, we will build a church that builds a city that will make a difference in the city we find ourselves. And then last week we spoke about that we're, we're a church that exists for others. That when you get saved, that your life isn't just private, your, your salvation isn't private, that you're saved for a reason, you're saved for a purpose, that you have a message and a gospel that you need to share with the world around you. And so not only does the church do that, but you and I as individuals do that as well. So today we wrap up and we speak about, probably be my favorite, and I think if we had to put them in an order of priority, it would be number one. But it's simply this, is that we are a church that encounters God. We want to be a church that truly encounters God in everything that we do. Now, in your sermon notes, when you came in, you would have seen that our, our verse for the week or for the series has been this. And it says the following, that now Daniel so distinguished himself. He wasn't distinguished, but he decided to distinguish himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Some scriptures say that he had an excellent spirit. Listen, when you decide to distinguish yourself, when you decide to kind of say, hang on, I'm going to study a bit, I'm going to read a bit, I'm going to kind of grow to be a better person. When I do that with the giftings and the abilities that God has for me, this is what happens, that the king plan to set him over the whole kingdom. You begin to get influence wherever you find yourself. So you might end up getting a raise at work you might, uh, if you're, you know, if you're a mother, you might be able to control your kids now, okay, because you've learned like parenting techniques, you know, like locking them in the bathroom for an hour, you've realized hasn't been good, but you've learned something else. But whatever it is that we do, is that if we distinguish ourselves, if we, we take effort and we put some effort into what it is that we're learning, suddenly we become better and we realize that we get some influence. And so that's what we've been looking at. And as I said to you today, I want to speak about this, that we are a church that encounters God. Encounters God. Maybe, maybe you've heard people say this. You should have just been there. If, if you were there, then you'd understand. Maybe, maybe you've had a holiday you've been on and you're trying to describe it to people and you're saying like, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, it was so wonderful. I mean, the beaches were nice. Or maybe you had a near miss accident on the highway or something. And the more you're trying to tell that to people, eventually, you, out of exasperation, you say, man, you, you should have just been there. If only you were there, you'd understand. Ever, ever said that? You can't recreate it. And I think so often for many people that we have a you should have been there kind of faith. That we live our lives saying, you know, that uh, uh, God does things and all we do is hear people say, well, you should have been there. You should have been there. And you miss out. You miss out on the opportunity to encounter God. Right through scripture, there are encounters. I mean, Moses gets it right. I mean, he walks, he's in the wilderness, and suddenly he sees a bush that is burning, but it's not burning. But more than that, the bush begins to speak. 
And Moses goes up to the bush and God speaks to Moses and gives him his call for his life. Moses, this is what I, I want you to do. I want you to set my people free. Later on in scripture, we, we read that God can even speak through a donkey. And if we kind of narrow it down, if we kind of get to a place where we think that this is the only way that God will ever speak to us, then we're going to lose out. Because I believe with all my heart, God is constantly wanting to speak to us, but he wants to speak to us over and again in different ways. Listen, if Moses came down from the mountain and said, all right, guys, I figured it out. This is how God speaks. God speaks in a burning bush only. We wouldn't be here today. But God is constantly speaking. God is constantly wanting us to engage with him. And I think if we kind of get to a place where we can box God into thinking or understanding how he operates, we've missed it. Listen, I never want to be able to worship a God who can kind of fit into my brain. I want to worship a God who's way bigger, way bigger than I could think of, dream of, or imagine. But I also want to know this, that I worship a God who longs and desires to be encountered, longs for me to come into his presence, longs for me to, be, to encounter him in, in real ways. Now, God is always doing a new thing. And if you believe that the way God speaks to you is in a certain way, I want to say maybe you miss God often. Because just, just because the one day you were driving in the car and you were playing your reckless love and, it got, you know, and suddenly you felt that you needed to move to India, it doesn't necessarily mean that every time you play reckless love, God is going to speak to you again. But what happens is that we've done that. And remember, I spoke to you before and I said, as soon as we begin to plan things and make things work like that, as soon as we kind of figure out a formula on how we think God speaks to us, what we've done is we've created a religion. We've begun to kind of formulate some form of religion. And I want to say to you, God is always doing a new thing. Always doing a new thing. Peter experienced that. Lord, let's just stay on this mountain. Let's just stay up here. It's wonderful. We'll build temples here. We, we don't have to leave here. And Jesus says, no, I, I need to move. I need to move. I'm doing a new thing. Come with me to Jerusalem. Come with me to, to Jerusalem. So I pray, I pray more than anything else that you here in this church would always get an opportunity to encounter so I want to spend some time this morning looking at that. And if you'll notice in your sermon notes, there's a passage of scripture that says the following. We'll just move on to where it is. It says the following. Whenever though they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. Right through scripture, the veil, those things that hinder us, those things that stop us from kind of encountering God. All right? God removes the veil and there they are face to face to face they suddenly recognize did it go there sorry uh, you might have to move it for me please they suddenly recognize can you just click on the next i think there we go that god is a living personal presence not a piece of chiseled stone i think there's another slide as well and when god is personally present a living spirit that old con constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete we become free of it we become free of it so how then do we do that how, how then do you think you and i can kind of get to a place where we can develop an encounter with god well i'm so glad you asked and so there are three things that i want to share with you and the first is simply this is that we need power not just words we, we, we need power, not just words. I think we've kind of got to a place where we think we've understood God, and so we can explain Him to other people. 
I mean, look, look what the scriptures verse says. It says this, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That God, your wisdom might not rest on men, but on God's power. Listen, we cannot rely on ourselves. We want to encounter with God, we need to realize that God moves with power. That God does it. Some of us need that in our lives. We've kind of just kind of figured it out that we, we think we've got things sorted out. We think we understand. We can explain certain things in our lives. But now and again, I want to say to you that we need the power of God at work in our lives to transform us. We do. And it's all for anyone. Listen, you, you need to hear my heart behind this. That there is nothing wrong in seeing a psychologist and a therapist and all that. We need, we need those people that have vital roles. But sometimes, even in the midst of spending time with those people, we need a supernatural encounter from God to set us free from stuff. And they work in tandem. And so often I think we can go from, from year after year after year after year, we change, we go, yeah, we don't like this person, we go to that person, they just, and all we really and truly need is for God to move in our lives with power to set us free one way, whatever it is that's, that's holding us or hindering us back. That's the thing. But I think for many of us, we're kind of living our lives in a way to say that, that if I can just sort it out, you know, if I can just figure it out, if I can just kind of understand, you know, maybe if I do another personality profile, maybe if I, I, I do my wife's personality profile, maybe if I just see my childhood wounds, and, and really what it is is that you just need the power of God to move in your life, to transform you, to change you. Listen, the greatest miracle still is a changed life with Jesus, a changed life with Jesus. So we need, okay, we need power not just words the second thing is is that we need an experience not just an explanation we need an experience. that's why we call it this we don't we don't call it a service you take your car for a service we we want you to come here and and have an experience with god whatever it might be you know and i think so often what we do is that we can kind of explain it right well i know what's going to happen we're going to come into church in the morning and we're going to do one so there'll be a countdown and then we're going to do one song then andrew's going to come up he's going to like hop us then we're going to do three other songs and there's going to be a minute mingle and all that and then we're going to go home and have roast beef i know how church works on a sunday and so we can explain it but what would it be like on a Sunday morning if you entered into God's presence and you experienced Him in a profound way? Listen, the only limitation for God moving is your expectation. Yes. It really is that. And if you come into church on a Sunday morning yes. and you're not in the mood to experience Him, if you come into church on a Sunday morning and you sit down and you say, oh, well, this better be good because, you know, I've done this before. I've been here before. It's hot, it's sweaty, it's yucky. Well, can I tell you what you're going to experience? Yuck, it's hot and sweaty and I've been here before and I've done that. That's what you, but if you come in Saying, Lord, I know you have a word for me today. I'm ready and I'm willing. I, I, I'm opening myself up to receive from you. And I'm going to sit, Lord, and, and I want you to speak. Speak to me through the words of the songs. Speak to me through the phenomenal preaching that we have every single Sunday. But Lord, whatever it is, I want to leave here this morning changed. I can guarantee you, your expectation will allow God to move. Will allow God to move. And so it's not so much us as a church that fail. It's that sometimes us that come into the building they don't expect God to move. Listen, listen to me. Jesus says that whenever two or three are present, there the Father is in the midst of them. There's more than two or three. He's present. We, we can experience him this morning. And so instead of trying to explain it, just say, Lord, well, won't, won't you just move? A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, I, I, was, I was a youth pastor and every 
every December we would take a whole group of youth leaders away and we'd go down to Port Shepston and we'd run a, um, a youth camp and it was phenomenal. We had like over 400 young people that would come on this camp and in those days I still used to, to lead worship and um, we were busy, I was busy leading worship on that and we opened the, the, the opportunity for people to come and share. And you know what it's like when teenagers come up and share, you know, it's like one little girl said that, um, I'll never forget she felt that um, she was stuck in a nut but she realized that Jesus was the nutcracker. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> you, you take a risk when you open the mic up for people to come, to come and share. But I remember one young man coming up and standing and saying, listen, what would it be like in this place if God's presence suddenly arrived? What would we do? We're sitting with a bunch of high school people. I mean, you're worshiping next to someone that you're hopefully going to be able to ask out on a date after worship. That's how you worship. But when they said that, suddenly we realized, but he is here. He, he, he is here. And we carried on worshiping, and suddenly people just started crying. Crying. And just there was this moment where we kind of just realized, hang on, God's, God's presence is here. God's, God's presence is here. And when we spoke to everybody afterwards, it was kind of like the same experience. Everybody, they just realized that, that when God shows up, we're not worthy to even be in his presence. We're not worthy to be, but yet he still welcomes us. And that was kind of the overall feeling in this whole camp. Now, we could recreate that again and sing the same songs and go to the same campsite and, and play the lights at a certain angle and stand next to the same people again. We can try and explain those things, but I want to say to you, when God wants to move, when God wants to do something, we need to be ready to experience it. That, that's why the text says the following. It says, finally they turned again to the blind man. You know the story? I mean, he was born blind, blind Bartimaeus. And the, the religious leaders say to him, what, what have you say about this guy? I mean, come on. I mean, we know that you were born blind. And he replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And that's all that matters. I, I don't know where he comes from. I don't know where he's going. But we're going to throw you in jail. That's fine because then at least I can see where I'm going. But I know this. I was blind, but now I see. Listen, you might have come into this church. You were destined for hell. Jesus set you free. You are now destined for heaven. You were blind, but now you see. Why? I don't know. All I know that there is someone who loves me and calls me by name. And that's the kind of person I want to give my life to. The third thing is that we need the presence of God and not just practice. We need the presence of God and not just practice. Acts chapter 2 says the following. You have made known to me the paths of life and you fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me with joy in your presence. And so for many of us, I think we need to get to that. Instead of trying to practice it, just, just experience the presence of God. On the 30th of January 2009, I made a vow and a promise to Genevieve that I will love her forever. And on that day, she walked down the aisle and she was radiant in all her glory and beautiful beyond description. There was never was and never will be another bride that matches her. Never. And I said to her, I love her that day. And I believed it with all my heart. Believed it with all my heart. I still believe it with all my heart. But can I tell you something? The feeling I had on that day doesn't mean I have that feeling every day. 
And I think so often what we do is that we base those kind of things on feelings. That my love is a feeling. My experience in worship with God is a feeling. And so if I don't feel him here, then he is not here. And sometimes what we need to do is to take God's word as it is, as fact, and to say, Lord, if you tell me that if I gather with my brothers and sisters, you are here, I believe it with all my heart. Even though I might not feel it, but I know you here. I know you here. So I, I never have to question when she's shouting at me and screaming at me. I, I know she still loves me. I might not feel loved, but I don't need to question the love. The same thing with God. When it feels like he's not present, when it feels like he's kind of chastising me, when it feels like, oh, he's showing me the sin in my life, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me anymore. He's made that decision. to He cannot not love me because God is love. And so what we need to do is kind of just have the presence. We need to have that presence. And when we do that, we get a joy in his presence. Not a happiness, but a joy. Lord, fill me again with the joy that is found in your presence. You, you want to encounter God? This is how you do it. Just start. Just start. Just start. And I think sometimes the reason why as well is that maybe our hearts are just not open to receive. Jesus speaks about that. Jesus tells the story of the sower who goes and throws seed. God's word throws it out. And you know, you know the story, some falls on good soil, some falls on bad soil. It kind of springs up and the thorns choke it. The issues of life kind of get to it. Some falls on, on hard soil and it just, it just the heart doesn't even receive the word. Some kind of, it, 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 it grows but the pressures and everything else around it grows up amongst the weeds and so it doesn't know. But some soil falls, like some seed falls on good soil and takes root and grows. And maybe, maybe we need to kind of till the soil of our hearts for God to move. Maybe, maybe God is in this place every Sunday and it's not Him that doesn't want to move, it's our hearts that are not ready to receive from Him. And so I kind of, what would that look like for us? How can we change our hearts? How do, how do we prepare for encounter? Well, this is what Hosea says. He says this, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up unplowed ground. Here we go. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Begin to till the soil. Begin to kind of prepare your hearts. Listen, I hope on a Sunday morning, that when you arrive for worship here, this isn't the start of your worship experience, but the culmination of what you've done the whole week. I, I, I know we say success starts on Sundays and all, but I pray that when you arrive here on a Sunday, you're ready to get your jam on because the whole week up until this week, you've been worshiping God and you're coming into God's presence and you're saying, all right, you just start that now. I'll show you. Listen, band, you don't, I don't need you to play music here. We'll lead from the congregation. You can kind of give us the key. We'll miss it. But anyway, we're going to lead and we're going to sing because Sunday is just a culmination of everything that we've practiced during the week. If you arrive here on a Sunday, and you battle to connect, and you battle to engage, what was your week like? Because then we get fueled up now, and it leads us into the week. So but anyway, how, how do we prepare? How do we prepare? I'm glad you asked again. A couple of things. The first thing is this, is that we need desperation. 
We need desperation. We need a, a wanting of God's way in our lives. Jesus speaks on the, Mount of France, uh, on, on the Mount of Olives, and he says the following. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We need, we need it. We need a desperation. Lord. More than it, I, I want to be filled with your presence. I come. I'm desiring. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. I, 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 I want your way in my life. Your way. And so I'm desperate for your presence. Listen, when was the last time you were totally desperate for something? I know this about God, that when I'm desperate, He avails Himself to me. He, he doesn't say, oh, sh- <laughs> are you, oh, really? Oh, really? Are you de- Show me how desperate you are. He, he, he doesn't offer like that. I think so often we think like God is like a big brother. Have you ever had a big brother and, and, and he's taller than you? And you want something and he's like holding it over here above you. And you're like, you know, and you're like, how badly do you want it? How? I think we think sometimes God, God is like it. And until we've kind of done certain things, remember we spoke about it, until we've found how to get through the open door, until we've left our baggage, until we've kind of climbed certain ladders, until we've got that, then God will say, okay, now here we go. Here it is. Oh, there we go. <laughs> blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they'll be filled. He's in the business of filling us. He desires for us to be filled. But are you desperate for his presence? This, the second one is this. Is that we need a humility. We want a, a wanting of God's will. Not, not, not what I want, but what but you want. I mean, Jesus experienced that. I mean, scripture speaks about that. When, uh, you know, <laughs> Dad, Dad, if there's another way I could, you know, I'm not really into crosses. And so if, if, if we could not have me die on a cross, that would be great. Jesus says that. It's in the Bible. But, but, but then again, not my will. Your will be done. Your will be done. We need to come into God's presence with a humility. Saying, Lord, I, I want what it is that you have for me in my life. I, I think pride is one of the biggest hindrances for us to experience the presence of God. When we kind of think it's all about us, that this is what I want, I have a my kind of faith. Lord, I, I want, these are the things I want, these are the things I don't want. I've studied your word, and there are a couple of parts that I do like. I, like. I like some things in here. Other things I'm not so keen on, so I'm going to kind of just leave those out. If we have that kind of faith, we miss God totally. We, we cannot have. It's Lord, I, I, I read your word. I take it at face value. I want your will to be done in my life. You see, I think often what we do is we say to God, Lord, this is my will. This is my will. This is my hope. This is my dreams. Won't you come and wrap your will around my life? But I wonder what it would be like for us to say, Lord, that's your will for my life. I'm going to wrap my life around your will. Subtle difference. But I'm going to lay everything I have and lay it down. And I'm going to do what you call me to do. The last one. Oh, Luke says that. Let not my will be done, but yours. We need a repentance. We need a waiting on God. Psalm 51 says the following. Lord, create in me a pure heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me. Here it is again. 
the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Why? Because then I'll teach transgressors your way and sinners will turn back to you. If we don't create moments for repentance in church, then we're as good as a lion's club or the rotary. This is what sets us apart. 